Well, good morning. We are so excited to get to worship with y'all this morning, and uh, it's a it's a pretty morning, and uh, just so glad that all y'all are here, even with all the craziness, to worship our King and to get to just let His Word sink into our hearts this morning. So, let's worship together in your cars. You can still sing crazy loud. So uh, we still want to hear you. We can hear you at church. So we want to we want to hear you in your cars. I don't know if if uh, I don't know if y'all can do it, but let's 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 try. All right, let's worship together.
social contact. I don't care if it's through a windshield or a car window. It is so good to see you and be in community with other believers. I also wanted to say a special welcome to our Facebook live streamers that are streaming with us. So hello from home or wherever you are. And it is good to worship with all of you. Do I need to talk louder? I'm live. Check, check. How about that, Amy? All right. So I just said some really awesome things. Sorry all of you missed that, except for Sam and Emily in the front row. <laughs> but hey, it's good to see all of you. And Facebook Live, good to see you guys. Wanted to give a couple of just uh, housekeeping things. First of all, if you're looking for lyrics for our songs, check out our Facebook page, Waypoint Facebook page. Also go to waypointclovis.com and you can check out our uh, lyrics and the bulletin for this week there. Also, we want to thank the Community of Christ for letting us use their property once again. Uh, it's a real blessing to have a place to come and have drive-in church. And I also just want to say that we are trying to be above board with all of our safety precautions here. So if everybody could remain within the confines of their car, within the space that's been allotted for you to park, we're trying to keep everybody at a safe distance from one another. So thank you for staying within kind of the space that you've been allowed. And also, if you need to make your way to a restroom, the side door over here is open and you can use a restroom if you need to. And hopefully we can, uh, we can keep everything uh, at a safe distance from one another and make you comfortable this morning as we worship here. I wanted to also just say you'll notice that Mallory with gloves and at a safe distance is handing out some children's activities this week and we'll be doing that again for the weeks to come. We want your kids to have something to do uh, that teaches them about the Lord or keeps them occupied while you learn about the Lord and so we appreciate Mallory doing that. And on the note of our kids, this is a great time with all of us having a lot of time at home with not much else to do to take that ministry safe training program that you have been sent via email. If you help with our kids, our nursery, our youth, then you should have received an email. And if you have not, or you wanna help in those areas, we will get an email to you. Just contact the church and let us know that you'd like to help. We would love for everybody to have that ministry safe training uh, in the next couple of months so that we can have uh, volunteers helping our kids and our youth that are trained with how to do so properly. The last thing that I want to mention is we've had several people over the last several weeks ask about tithing and how to do that, where to do that. And at this point on our website, we have an opportunity for you to give there. And also we have uh, in our email and on our website, we have a PO box that you can send those checks to if you'd like. Other forms of giving, we'll figure that out in weeks to come. But thanks for bearing with us as we figure out all those logistics. Guys, that's all I've got for you this morning, and uh, let's pray as we continue to worship. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the beauty all around us. God, thank you for a community of believers that can come together and worship you. Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be turned towards you, 
God, that you would take everything else away and let us focus on you, your son, the gift of your love. And Father, let us respond to you in worship now. Amen. All right. Well, let's sing some more and let's worship our King.
trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in God, is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over over the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and their and the widow. But he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God O Zion for all generations. Praise the Lord. That's our God. He reigns forever through whatever we're going through, through whatever we face. He always reigns. He is the maker of everything. He's always been control in control and he always will be. And that's why we're here this morning because we know that he is good, that he is in control. And that no matter what, we can worship him for the amazing God that he is. That's our God.
Check, check. Pickles, can you hear me? Yes, Pickles can hear me. Seth, thanks for the reminder. Guys, if you want to turn to John 3.16 real quick, it's going to be really hard for me to stay right here this whole time. All right, I'm going to move around a little bit. If you want to make your way to John 3.16, that's where our primary text is going to be this morning. I wanted to first of all say uh, welcome again. It's good to see everybody. 
And I know many of you may not have been expecting to see my face up here, but this week and next week have been scheduled breaks that we've uh, incorporated for Seth to give him just a little bit of, of a break and some time off from preaching. And so uh, I really covet the opportunity to be able to preach this week. And next week, Dwayne is going to be bringing us a message. And next week is going to be a really special Sunday. One way or another, it is going to be a communion Sunday. And we have some things that we're working on to make sure it is incredibly safe and secure way to do communion. In worst case scenario, you're just going to be at home and provide your own communion supplies. But we are going to try to do drive-in church next week with communion. So we're really excited about that. So take this week to really prepare for that. Whether we do it here, whether we do it at home, please take time to prepare for communion next week. So Seth, thank you for the opportunity to preach. And I'm gonna dive right into John 3.16 now. In John 3.16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So I know a lot of you out there, at Waypoint at least, are homeschool families. And I know all of you homeschool families have been laughing your heads off the last few days at the rest of us suckers that send our kids to public school or private school. Because if you've been keeping up with the news, this week it has been announced that New Mexico schools are canceling school for the rest of the year. So now we are all homeschool families. And you are cracking up because all of us who are not used to this are saying, what am I supposed to do with my kid all day long, every day? And on top of watching them all day, you want me to teach them something? It sounds ludicrous to me, but that's just me. So given this new state of affairs that we're in, I was helping my fourth grader with some math homework recently. And it's been a little while since I brushed up on my fourth grade math. And that week, she was looking at multiplying fractions. So she kind of gave me a quick rundown, a good refresher of how to multiply fractions. And I was like, I got this. Okay, we're good. We, man, we banged out that first page of homework. It was easy. It was a breeze. Uh, went really well. So then she flipped the page over. Now we're dividing fractions. And I don't know if I'm the only one, but multiplication is a whole lot easier than division for me. And so we really struggled through that second page. And I'll be honest, she didn't get any of those right that I helped her with. It didn't go too well. And it was a good reminder to me that no matter how basic or elementary the mathematics course is, it's important for us to always have those foundational elements of math in our lives. Because like my mom told me, and like I'm going to tell my kids, you will use math for the rest of your life. Well, similarly, I think that John 3.16 is a foundational part of our Christian faith. I think that it's part of the building blocks of our faith that are very simple and elementary in some ways, but incredibly foundational to who we are as Christians and to what God has called us to. And even though these truths may be foundational and simple, I pray that we would never forget or take for granted the simple truths that are there. 
and that they would never cease to be life-changing for us. So my hope this morning is that as I'm up here preaching, that I won't be as useless to you here as I was to my daughter the other day. You know, there's a lot changing in our world, whether it's week to week or day by day or literally hour by hour, things are changing in our world. It may be which businesses are open or closed, whether or not your kids are going to school or not. It could be your work situation. Where are you working from? Do you even have a job anymore? It could be church. Are we going to a physical church building? Are we going to do live streaming? Or are we going to do some crazy off the wall idea called drive-in church? Week to week, day to day, hour to hour, things are changing rapidly. But I'm here to proclaim a truth today that is unchanging. And I hope it's refreshing and encouraging to us to know that there are truths of the Christian faith that are unchanging and ever true. One of them Seth touched on last week. He preached out of Isaiah 43 in the unchanging truth that God is with us through the fire, through the waters, through the trials. God is with us wherever we go. So this week, we'll look at the unchanging truths that are found in John 3.16. And if you know this verse or if you take note of, of what's around it, you'll see that this is a verse in the middle of a dialogue between two people. And so to do this passage justice, I want to set up a little bit of a, of a framework and a context for what's going on here. In John chapter 3, we see Jesus in the very early stages of his ministry. Very recently, he's called his first disciples to himself to follow him. He also just performed his first miracle, turning the water into wine. And subsequently after that, many people started to take notice of many miraculous signs that he was doing. And that brings us to John 3. And with all of this newfound traction in Jesus' ministry, a man named Nicodemus heard of Jesus. And this guy Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He knew the law of God inside and out. He followed the law to a T, and he taught others how to follow God's law. So when he hears a man come along saying that he's from God, his ears perked up and he got interested. And intrigued by who Jesus claimed to be, Nicodemus went in the dark of night to meet with Jesus. And it's in that shroud of darkness that Nicodemus confronts Jesus about who Jesus is. And Jesus proceeds to teach Nicodemus about the kingdom of God, about the spirit, about being reborn. And that brings us to verse 16. I'll read it again because Jesus says to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you're like me, you've heard this verse many times before. You don't even have to be in church to have heard this verse. But this morning, I want to go beyond the surface and beyond what we may have thought about this verse before. And I want to take a deeper dive to see what exactly Jesus is saying. Because if this one statement is truly foundational to the Christian faith, we'd sure better know what it's saying. And the first thing I want to look at is the first words that, that Jesus says, For God so loved the world. 
And we're talking about God, God creator, the only true God. The creator from the beginning of time in Genesis 1, the creator who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. This is the only, the one and only God eternal that's spoken of in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, when it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. It's this God eternal Lord over all creation who loves the world. And if you go to church long enough, you'll probably eventually hear about this New Testament Greek word for love. It's found throughout the New Testament. And if, the new, if, you, if you know this, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And in the Greek, there are many words for love. In contrast to the English, where I can say I love ice cream and I love my wife, but they mean two very different things. In the Greek, they had different words for love to describe which kind of love you were talking about. And I do love ice cream, but I love my wife more. And this is such a this is such an important topic. There have been books and resources on this. And one book written by C.S. Lewis is entirely devoted to four words for love. And it's called The Four Loves. Maybe you've read it before. And if you haven't, I'll give you a quick rundown. This is found in C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves. It's also found in numerous resources, other places. But the first word for love that is mentioned is storge. This is a familial love. So you may be sitting in the car with your family right now, and you have a love for those people in your family. Whether it's people that you are nurturing and raising, it's a love that comes very naturally to you for those people, or a love that you have for the people that nurtured and raised you, or people that you spend your daily life with in close proximity to. It's a natural, easy to come by love. But this word isn't found anywhere in the New Testament. And neither is the second word for love, eros. And maybe you've heard this one before. This is the romantic love that a lot of us may think about when we hear the word love. It's a romantic love that is about passion and affection for another person. It's about an attraction that you have to that person. A very romantic love like in a husband-wife relationship, eros. And that word isn't found in the New Testament either. The third word for love is found in the New Testament in several places, and it's the word philia. And this word for love signifies a love of friendship. And honestly, this word for love would signify a lot of what is present here today. From car to car, from family to family, we have a lot of this philia or friendship love. It's also, you could consider it like a brotherly love. And an easy way to remember this type of love is what is the city in the United States that is called the city of brotherly love? Philadelphia. And so philia is where the word Philadelphia comes from. So it's an easy way to remember the city of brotherly love. Philia is a brotherly love, a friendship type of love. And that's found several places in the New Testament but nowhere near as much as this word for love that we see in our passage, the word agape. And agape love is found throughout the New Testament, and I cannot say this for absolute fact because I couldn't find a study or any kind of research that said definitively one way or the other. But in every passage that I could find and look up, 
that talked about God's love for us or the fact that God is love. Every time in Scripture that it talks about God's love, it uses this word agape. So what does this word agape signify? What kind of love is it that God has for us? Agape love is unconcerned with the self and it is concerned with the greatest good of another. Agape isn't just born out of emotions or feelings or familiarity, but it's from the will and it is a choice. And agape requires faithfulness, it requires commitment, sacrifice, without expecting anything in return. Simply put, agape love is an altruistic or selfless, unconditional love. To illustrate this love, Romans 5.8 says it best, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So who does God love? He loves the world. Simply put, God loves all of creation, specifically all created people. Not one person in human history is excluded from this love that God has for the entire world. The one and only God creator unconditionally and selflessly loves every human in all of creation. The next part of Jesus' statement, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave his son to the world away from his right hand and his place in heaven to come here on earth. And Nicodemus had no clue the extent of what Jesus was talking about, that God sent his son to earth knowing that Jesus was going to ultimately be crucified and sacrificed for all of humanity. You see, I remember at about age 14 or 15, I was sitting in a church service, and we were about to take communion, and there was a gentleman who went up to preside over the communion, and he started talking about a distinction that he wanted to make in Christ's sacrifice. He was drawing out a distinction that God, God didn't just simply spill out Christ's blood. Christ's blood wasn't spilled for us on the cross, but God intentionally poured out Christ's blood on the cross. There was an intentionality behind it. And I remember at the time thinking very passively and even dismissively of what this man was saying, what's really the important? I mean, yeah, okay, sure, he meant to do it. But if you look at Scripture, what this guy was saying is written throughout Scripture, that there is an intentionality and a purpose behind what God did. It was no accident or it wasn't something done haphazardly or last minute. In Acts 2.23, we see specifically said the intentionality behind this. As Peter is preaching to the masses at Pentecost, he says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Not only did God give his son to the world, but he did so according to his definite plan and to his foreknowledge. It wasn't last minute. It wasn't accidental or to fix something that went wrong. This was God's plan to give his son. And who is it that God gave? He gave his one and only son. Now I have four kids. 
And if I had to give one away for the good of others, I think I could do it. I'm, I'm a pretty nice guy. I could give one of my kids away because I have four of them. And I know all of you who are homeschooling out of necessity now would give me an amen on that because these days are getting long. But in all seriousness, God did give his only son something that I literally could not imagine doing. And if my kids are listening right now, I was joking, I will never give you away. I can't imagine giving one of my own children up for the benefit of others. I get no benefit out of this. It gives me no, uh, it gives me no incentive to do so. I would purely be giving up my child for the benefit of others. God not only did that, he did it knowing full well that his son was going to be mocked, beaten, hated, and ultimately killed. At this point, the story of Abraham and Isaac becomes a good parallel to what we're talking about. And if you remember this story from Genesis 22, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his one and only legitimate son. So Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac. And I think this story is given to show the agony and the excruciating pain of trying to go through this process of giving up your own child for somebody else. And obviously, if you know the story, God did not allow Abraham to kill his son. It was only a test. But God did what none of us sitting here today would be able to do, and that is he gave his only son for us. So God gave his son to the world that he loved. But ultimately, why did God do that? And I think in our, the final part of our passage, we see the reasoning behind why. It says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So quickly, let's look at whoever. It literally means everybody. Whoever. No exceptions, no exclusions. Literally, everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And to sum up this idea of everyone is included with this, Romans 10, 12, and 13 says it well. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No exception. And what does whoever have to do? They have to believe. They have to put their trust and their faith in Christ. As it says just a couple verses before in Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So anyone who believes in Jesus Christ will not perish. And if there's such a thing as good news or the gospel, then it stands to reason that there must be such a thing as bad news. We've all heard it before. Somebody walks through the door or gets off a phone call and turns to you and says, I've got good news and I've got bad news. They go hand in hand oftentimes. And this passage that we're looking at today is no different. You see, Jesus says... 
anyone who believes in me or anyone who believes in me will not perish but have eternal life and the obvious is that the believer will have eternal life that's the good news but if you deduce out of what's left in that sentence you see that if someone does not believe they will perish and this is the bad news and the sad news of the gospel message and of Jesus statement if somebody does not put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ they will ultimately perish and spiritually die. And the easy thing to do at this point is to, to look at God and point your finger and say, why would a loving God ever allow somebody to perish or die? And I want to remind all of us now that every single one of us was or is a sinner who has been separated from God. It's literally in our human nature to sin. God created mankind as perfect and in his own image. But a part of being made in his image is that we have the responsibility for our own actions. And in the beginning, in the garden, when God gave Adam and Eve one command to obey, they chose to live in disobedience and go against God's command. And at that point, sin entered the human race and continues to this very day. This is a responsibility that falls on us, not on God. So we can't point to God and say, why would you? The responsibility is on us. You see, God is perfect and he is good. And as a part of his nature, he can't be a part of evil and sin. And this is the sad part of the gospel message. And I don't want to gloss over it or make light of it. Because it should sadden us. It should grieve us. Not everyone will believe. And it's right to grieve over that fact. But it should also be in part our motivation to spread the gospel and to propel that gospel to the ends of the earth so that everyone would know the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to be a light in a world filled with darkness. We need to be love when there is no love around us. We need to be Christ to those who don't know him. Let this sad news inspire you to something better and more. Don't just be saddened by it. Don't just sweep it under the rug and ignore that part of the gospel, but let it motivate you to tell others and show others who Christ is. Because the God of our Bible in 1 Timothy 2.4 and 2 Peter 3.9 is a God whose desire is that all men would know him and come to a saving knowledge of him. That's the God we serve. He wants everybody to know him and to be saved. So let that motivate us and inspire us but the truth remains we are all sinners who have been separated from God Romans 3:23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death we're all sinners and the penalty for our sin is death but it's this bad news or this sad news that brings us to the best news of the day because Romans 6.23 doesn't end there with for the wages of sin is death, but it continues. But 
the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And similarly, in our passage, John 3.16, it doesn't end with bad news about if you don't believe, you'll perish. It says, whoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what is eternal life? Why is that such good news? If, all, if our only understanding of eternal life is forever in this length of time, it may not be that exciting. It may even be kind of intimidating because forever is a really long time. And if all we think of when we think of eternal life is living forever and it's this quantitative thought, then we're missing a huge part of the picture. You see, when you read those words, eternal life in the New Testament, there is a whole other aspect that I miss when I read it. It's not just quantitative a long time. There is a quality of life that is implied when it says eternal life. Every time you read that, it is talking about a quality of life that is to be enjoyed forever. Let me share a couple of verses to illustrate this. One is out of John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus is describing himself as a door and the gate to the sheep pen. And that everybody needs to go through him to get into that pen of safety and security. And everybody needs to go through him to get out of there, to go to pasture and provision. Jesus is the gate. And it's after that that Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Christ did not come so that we could just have eternal life, but he came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. A quality of life is implied here. A distinction that Christ makes that he is here for a life of abundance and a life that is greater than what we know now. The second passage is out of John 4 when Jesus is talking with the Samaritan woman at the well. And in verses 13 and 14, Jesus says to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. God isn't about status quo in providing provision of food and drink that you have to continually replenish and go back to the well to get fed and to have your thirst satisfied. No, we see a provision in a fullness here. A life that is full, that, require, that has no thirst, it has no hunger, and it's an unending life that is an overflowing spring of water that leads to eternal life. Eternal life is more than just a long time or living forever. It is a quality of life that Christ gives us. At this point, I'll call Braden and Jenny back up as we close. And I have two camps of people that this message is for. The first camp is, is those of you who believe in Jesus Christ, who believe in John 3.16, and people who have given their lives to follow Christ. And for you, I want you to hear now that you have eternal life here and now. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 13, 
John says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. The good news to take hold of for you, the believer, is you need to have assurance and confidence that you have eternal life. Know that you have this gift of life, as John says. And secondly, not only know that you have this life, but know that you have this eternal life now, here and now. It's not something to wait for or to look forward to, but you have this life here and now for the believer. Let that give you freedom, hope, joy, and let it change the way you live each and every day. Don't live out of fear and anxiety and worry, the things that are always pressing in upon us, but live in the confidence and the assurance that we serve a God who conquered death and who gives us life today. The other camp that I'm talking to are those of you who are here or maybe streaming this who haven't fully put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I'd like to extend an invitation to you that God and Jesus himself have already extended. An invitation to receive the life that God gives. The eternal life that he gives. The joy, the confidence, the grace, and the unconditional love that Jesus Christ gives. There's no magic formula to receive these gifts. There's some simple questions. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And do you believe that as the Son of God, Jesus came to earth, He lived a perfect life, and He died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that He was buried and that He overcame death through the resurrection? And if you believe these things, then will you confess them and will you commit to follow Jesus Christ? These are extraordinary circumstances we're in these days. But I want you to hear this call that God and Jesus give to you. And if you want to respond to that call, catch us on the way out. There will be several of us waving at you. Catch one of us. Talk to us. Ask us about what needs to come next or what you need to physically do. And if you don't want to do that, go to our website email the church and we will put you in touch with somebody that can walk you through those next steps but whatever you do if you are not if you have not already given your life to Christ what I don't want is for this free gift of love and of life and of grace to go unreceived any longer let's worship this morning
you, Jesus, for this morning, God. We choose to build our lives on you, God. God, I pray that if anyone here this morning has even had the thought of coming to you and giving you their life, God, that they won't, they won't think twice. They'll let, let go of whatever it is they're holding on to, and they'll give it to you. God, we thank you, we love you, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming. Hope you all have a blessed day.